0: Hey, George Haas here. First of all, thank you to everyone who has supported MetaGroup in this podcast with donations by purchasing items from our store and joining our classes and intensives online and in person. We're very excited to announce a new way to get involved, and that's by joining us on Patreon. If you join at $12 per month or above, you'll get access to our daily morning meditation, which is a great way to maintain a daily practice. You can find us at patreon.com slash metagroup. So please check it out. And once again, thank you so much for your ongoing support. You're listening to the Meditation and Attachment Podcast with George Haas. For more information, please visit our website at www.metagroup.org. That's www.m-e-t-t-a-g-r-o-u-p.org. Close people are the people in your inner circle. And I like to talk about Robin Dunbar's work, a French neuroscientist, on on this formulation of how to uh, distribute your energy in terms of uh, relationships. Uh, For him, close people would be A's and B's. So there's a, a line that divides A's and B's from C's and D's. And that line is above the line you tell them everything and below the line you tell them some things Um, do you have the sense that it's safe to be completely authentic with some people or do you not have that sense and if you don't have that sense then i would encourage you to begin to explore the possibility of getting close enough to people that you can actually tell them everything that's going on with you. I still think that you need to relay this to the other person through right speech. So is it true? Is it uh, timely? Is it helpful? Is it kind? And I'm not suggesting that you carry around a scroll of every vile thing that you've ever done and that you unfurl it and read it to people as a way of Uh, conveying to them everything. What I'm really saying here is that you can authentically express your experience of the present moment as it's unfolding without needing to reserve some piece or without needing to spin it in such a way that uh, it relieves the sense that you'll be abandoned by the other person if you don't uh, withhold something. Can you feel so connected and so comfortable with someone else that you don't fear being abandoned by them by expressing your authentic experience? That would be my definition of a close person. Um, It doesn't mean necessarily that some uh, abandonment anxiety doesn't uh, arise. Uh, We're all conditioned in the way that we were conditioned and abandonment is is a central issue for human beings because we're... Um pack animals. I don't say we're herd animals because we're not prey, we're predators, right? We're pack animals, and we we construct our social hierarchy around this. I was listening to sapiens on the way up, um, which is a book. Uh, the author's name is escaping me, but Um, If if you're noticing in in the dialogue uh, of uh, climate change, climate change denial is losing uh, its capacity to engage people. So that argument is shifting into extinction denial. That yes, the climate is is changing, but it's not going to have the adverse impact that people who claim... Uh, that the climate is changing, and it's going to have an adverse impact our saying so you'll you'll be watching in the body politic the shift from uh, climate change denial to extinction denial and I was listening to sapiens on the way up and and the human uh, human spread uh, of um, area on the planet has just been a history of extinction. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we move in, everything else that's there is killed off by our relentless uh, need to dominate and change the environment. Um, So anyway, I do want us to see ourselves the way that that we are so that we can uh, um, be authentic in our expressions. In Dunbar's research, it began um, with him trying to understand whether or not the condition of the human brain um, had a limit to the number of people that you could recognize. Uh, Recognizing faces is very brain intensive. There's a whole part of the brain that's just devoted to recognizing faces. And what his research discovered is that that, uh, there's a buffer of about 150, 150 different faces that you can remember. But then, what do I do with my 2,000 friends on Facebook? (laughs) (laughs) And actually, I think one of the reasons that Facebook is so popular is that it's an artificial way of extending that database, that you can track more than the 150 people that you can um, remember um, and it's a buffer, it isn't a fixed number. If you, if you encounter somebody who you no longer remember, you can bring them into the active database and all of that information will be drawn from long-term memory and, and made active, but it, it, it doesn't extend the buffer, it just displaces somebody else who was in there. So it's a kind of cycling thing. Um, one of the things that, that social media does is it allows you to maintain these social networks that, that would have normally been lost to you because of uh, either a change in age or geography. Um, I have um, in my Facebook uh, uh, people that I went to elementary school with that I have not actually seen since elementary school but they're nonetheless in there and I see pictures of them now, uh, completely unrecognizable. Uh, (laughs) I'm taking it on faith that that person is actually Martin Fisher from second grade. But, um, (laughs) But that's what it has a tendency to do, it extends that so you can sort of keep up with at least the narrative of that and it makes it feel much more expansive. Um, and then he looked to see whether that 150 number showed up anywhere in terms of the structure of society, and he found it everywhere. Um, you know, the Roman legion—a well, legion was 150—and our military division is around 150. That calculations for the number of police that are required is based on a number around 150. Divisions and corporations are based on this number, so it appears over and over again. We don't really need to police small groups of people because we can recognize everybody and we know who they are and, and, and so there's no need to identify the offenders. We know, we know who they are. But once the groups get larger than that, then we need some kind of artificial outside source in order to uh, uh, enforce the, the, the common agreements uh, of our groups. Then he wanted to look at what made people the happiest and um, and what the distribution of energy in relationships uh, was and what he found was a group of people that were statistically much happier than uh, other people and they were people that had uh, A's and B's, A and B relationships. A relationships are a primary relationship that you're involved with somebody that you take care of on a daily or every other day basis. And B relationships are people that you take care of on a weekly or every other week basis. So when you begin to examine your own social network and how you put it together, um, understand that there is some research into this and some framework for how this might work. Not everybody likes to have A relationships because they require so much resource. Some people prefer to have B relationships only. Most people uh, like to have a sexual component to the A relationship because the relationship is so uh, energy intensive. When when they did the the, uh, research, overwhelmingly, the number of A relationships that people like to have is one. (laughs) kids don't count you're supposed to take care of them you're not supposed to roll reverse them and get them to take care of you (laughs) in B relationships there was a bell curve between two and five say B relationships And in the the group that was the happiest, the distribution of energy was that 60% of your relational resources went into those relationships, the A and B relationships. So when you think about ordering your life, 60% of your relationship energy goes into three or four or five or six relationships. Then below the line, the C relationships are people that you encounter in your life um, maybe you make plans with them sometimes, but they're, they're the people that you ordinarily see just be- because of the structure of your life. They live in the neighborhood, or they belong to different groups that you belong to, or they're, they're, they're at your work. You tell them some things, but you don't tell them everything, and you check in with them, say, monthly or quarterly and that he found that most uh, adults who are active in the world have between 30 and 40 of those. So you can also estimate um, uh, how socially engaged you are based on that number. The reason it's important to have a robust number of C's is because that's where you get your A's and B's from. One One of the things that we know is that life is impermanent and everything changes and so Uh, Your A's and B's uh, can change. If you find a really good A or a really good B, you want to pay a lot of attention to maintaining the relationship so that you can keep it, right? They don't keep on their own. Um, And then D's are the rest of the people that round out the 150. Is it surprising uh, in our culture that many people keep their families in the D category? Now they see them a couple of times a year at holidays and that's it they don't tell them anything um, and you but and you could keep them anywhere you wanted to on that hierarchy um, secure people <laughs> 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 they've dropped off the list <laughs> Uh, that would be me. I'm entirely estranged from my family and have been for thirty years. <clears throat> um, you can't be gay in my family, and so they stopped talking to me. I thought it would. I thought it would change, but it didn't. Um, which is painful in some sense, but not as painful as of having to pretend to be someone else. Um, Let's see. So we're talking about doing metta practice for close people. And one of the things about people that are close to you is that the relationships tend to be fairly complex. And so you have a lot of different mind states that you can get into when you you view them and are in relationship to them, and uh, here what we want to do is focus exclusively on the main, on the mind state of kindness when when we're uh, engaged in the practice of metta for them. This is a very important skill to have in close relationships because if you 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 get angry at your primary relationship or your your secondary relationships their ability to support and emotionally uh, regulate you and encourage you to explore can be uh, put into question. And you really do want to see and understand the value of of having this support available to you so that you can engage in exploring things that are meaningful to you. In collaborative, secure, functioning relationships, you agree to take care of the other person in a way that's meaningful to them, and you are obligated to take care of them, whether or not, in that moment, they're capable of reciprocating that care. They make a commitment to you to take care of you in a way that's meaningful to you, and they have that obligation, whether or not uh, you, in that moment, can reciprocate it. So that is to say, if you become sick, your partner takes care of you and doesn't withdraw the care because you are uh, in bed with a cold, right? Um, In insecure relationships what you you often find is that they didn't do what I wanted so I'm not gonna do for them, this constant tit-for-tat in the relationship which makes the relationships quite unstable and insecure. And here, in secure collaborative relationships, you don't have that. In collaborative relationships, you, you really make a two-person system rather than a system that supports two individuals. You create a safe place for the two of you to feel protected and cared for and to use as a secure base to explore from. <clears throat> Um, One of the examples that I I like to use with this is that you would, for instance, then in that primary relationship, never say to someone else something that your partner couldn't overhear and not feel harmed by. Because you're that protective of that relationship. You can, uh, you don't... um, Have you ever noticed that some people poll everybody you know w- w- with an opinion about what's happening, um, or if they're distressed by the relationship, that they talk uh, uh, to, to other people about the distressing things that are in the relationship, and then they get advice from other people about how to respond in the relationship, and then they bring that advice to the relationship. <clears throat> in a primary uh, A type of relationship, you wouldn't do that you would negotiate in good faith with the other person until the two of you resolve whatever the the conflict is or whatever needs to be resolved within the relationship. And that if you sought outside help in this, that you would go together as a couple to get it. So that neither person could ever be put in a position of feeling excluded or betrayed by that kind of communication. Um, I say that because when you come from a place of insecurity in relationships moving into a place of security in relationships, you often underestimate how much energy secure relationships take. What I just described there is an extremely energy-intensive involvement with the other person and and a really very protective stance toward the other person. Um, doesn't mean that you can't seek counsel for yourself and what to do. Just means you need to do it in such a way that it it won't come back to your partner in a way that they could perceive as harming. Um, is that making sense? The reason that you would do this sometimes this is. Um, not clear. The reason that you would do this is that you have a secure base that you can use then to explore. In in close relationships, you want to settle things. Um, You cannot accept a situation in a close relationship with somebody where they feel that they're losing. You may feel that you're winning and it's a good solution for you, but if they feel that they're losing, you would, you should not accept that. The reason you should not accept that is because it won't settle. If the other person feels like they're losing, they won't keep the arrangement over time. And then you'll have to renegotiate it. And in renegotiating it, you'll have to use energy that could otherwise be used for other things to renegotiate it. Is that making sense? You want to continue to negotiate in good faith with your partner until you both feel like you're winning in that situation and then you want to keep the agreement so that it settles. What this of course does is create a a sense of reliability and the basis of secure relationships is reliability and mutual care, right? Not equal care, mutual care. You take care of the other person in a way that they need to be taken care of so that they feel taken care of with the resources that are available. And they do the same for you, even if it means that the amount of care that one person is receiving is more or less than the other person is receiving. And the reason that you do that is because it creates the safe base for you to use to explore from. If all of the energy that you have uh, is consumed by the relationship and there's nothing left for your exploration, you're going to be constantly dissatisfied with your partner because they have not provided for you the meaningfulness that comes from exploration. As it turns out, they will never really be able to compensate you for the meaningfulness that comes from exploration. You have to go find that for yourself. And if all of the energy that you have that you might use to explore is consumed by trying to maintain the relationship, you will resent your partner. If that anger, that resentment gets to the point of contempt and you express it to them, it will be nearly impossible to repair the relationship at that point which is where this metta piece comes in. So you're noticing and tracking the irritation, the resentment, the bitterness or anything, the disappointment that comes up, and you're then moving yourself in the direction of kindness so that when you address these things authentically and completely in the relationship, you're able to do it in a way that's kind, Kindness has a tendency to open up the capacity to talk these things through with the other person and settle them, whereas anger tends to close them down. Have you noticed? <laughs> if you blast somebody with anger, they're not so open <laughs> to discussing <it> with you. <laughs> the nuances of communication. <clears throat> Because the working model of the person is complex, uh, you may notice as you're attempting to do metta for a close person that bunches of things come up. And so you're constantly monitoring the mind state that's coming up and pushing yourself in the direction of metta mind for for your person or people. Dunbar also found in his research that this distribution of having A's and multiple B's uh, and C's and D's is is not the most common. That the most common for adults in the West is to have an A, no B's, and C's and D's, and put 40% of the relational resources into the A, and 60% into the C's and D's. It takes a lot of energy to (coughs) have a B. You have to see them every week or every other week. You have to, you have to be in contact with them. Um, you have to be willing to tell them everything. And they need to be able to emotionally regulate you. You need to be able to emotionally regulate them. And so if you can find a B, they're re- they're really valuable. It also takes a lot of the burden off the A. If you have one person in the world that you rely on to emotionally regulate you. What happens if they want to go out of town and not take you with them? You have to endure a state of being emotionally dysregulated the whole time that they're away. um, Or face the possibility of being emotionally dysregulated if something happens to you. Whereas if you had Bs, you could just rely on the Bs, and then your A would be free to explore what they need to explore so that they find meaning, and then they could come back to you Full of excitement and meaning, meaning when wanting to uh, share that with you instead of feeling uh, <clears throat> and coming instead of coming back to a complete maniac who's <laughs> dysregulated and mad that you left. Right? <laughs> this is making sense. Um, I like to talk about this because often when we're coming from insecure relationships or from the modeling that our caregivers did for us, this isn't what was modeled for us and so we don't have a sense of it. And as you move from insecurity toward security, you, you want to, to put into place the things that you need f- uh, so that that can flourish. So when we talk about working with close people in metta, we're not talking about working with so many people. A few people is really what we're talking about. And so today, in practice, what I would recommend that you do is pick one of your close people and sit with them for an hour, and then pick another one, and then, uh, if necessary, uh, cycle through them again. Do you do you have a sense of how much energy you have for, for, uh, for relationships? Because you 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 do have to take that energy away from your exploration, in order to support the relationships. How much, how much of that do you need? And how easy is it to find these uh, these uh, people? In my experience, it has not been so easy to find uh, A's and B's, and so. And I do find when I really value them and I really try to keep them around by being a good uh, caregiver for them because I, I so highly value them. But then this is also reflected in our, in our attachment strategies. Um, <clears throat> secure people tend to do mutual care and they tend to do reliability and those tend to be the entrance tickets to being in relationship with them. If you can't provide those things, at the very beginning, they won't engage in a relationship with you. If we talk about this from the point of view of view, secure people think of themselves as capable of getting their needs met and they think of the world as filled with people who will meet their needs. And so if they encounter you and you show up unreliably or you don't um, um, respond in a collaborative way in in care, they're, they're not interested in you It isn't even a big deal for them. They just think someone will be available and I'll go find them since you're not, right? (laughs) Dismissing adults think that there's no point in attempting to collaborate for care in a relationship because you can't get that. The idea is to find people who have what you want and to take from them what you want from them and trade something for, with it uh, trade something for it that they might want um, if you look at the experience of a secure infant their caregivers come to them and respond to them in a good enough way 30 percent of the time or better so that they they settle into relying on good care uh, children who, who are avoidant in childhood find that their caregivers so consistently fail to meet their needs that they give up on trying to collaborate with someone to get their needs met. It doesn't mean they give up on trying to get their needs met. It means they give up on collaborating. The experience of risking the vulnerability that collaboration requires is so painful for them that they won't do it. Um, So they tend to like high social value or positions of power where they can get what they want without having to collaborate. Um, Preoccupied people, as children, their care is inconsistent. Sometimes the parent meets their needs. Sometimes the parent misattunes. Sometimes they don't provide the care. And so the child becomes totally focused on the other person. But they never have a sense of safety in, uh, and uh, enough safety that they're willing to explore on their own. And so as children, they learn to abandon their exploration. As adults, then, they look for other people that explore things that they f- might find meaningful to them and to try and participate in that vicariously without actually having to do the exploration themselves. And then uh, disorganized uh, kids um, are either frightened of their caregiver or their caregiver is so frightened of them that when the the kids attempt to uh, empathetically connect to their caregiver, the emotional turmoil of their caregiver is frightening to the child, dysregulating to the child when they grow up to be an, um, adults they don't feel safe to be vulnerable and so they don't tend to be able to show up reliably or or to collaborate on on care Is that making sense <clears throat> so Your capacity to do this, of course, is totally conditioned by the way that your caregivers responded to you, which was not your responsibility at that time. By the time you're 10 months old, you will have an attachment strategy, which 75% of people will use their entire life without changing it. And so if you didn't uh, luck out and get good, good enough care when you were a child, and you have this uh, adaptive uh, attachment strategy. Understand that it that it is changeable, and that there's a, a path which is really three different things. One is uh, changing the working model of yourself and changing the working model of how you think of other people. The second is to learn to mentalize, uh, and we're going to go more into mentalizing. And then the third is the the, the psychoeducation. So. This piece here that I'm, I'm talking about it falls into the third category, the psychoeducation of how secure functioning relationships work and what, the, what you need to, to do in terms of developing skill. The reason that I like to teach meta that is so focused on tracking mind states is because mind states are, are when that view comes in. I really liked your term attitude comes in. Um... <clears throat> It changes your perception of everything. And with close people, you have to be really attentive to this. Um, the Buddha said that one expression of anger can destroy a thousand years of kindness. Right? You can, you can sting your close person with an angry comment that really is mostly based on your own conditioning and not based on them. And it can be extremely wounding for them because... In close relationships, you're opening to a level of vulnerability that you wouldn't necessarily have with other people. Maybe that's a way of describing the difference between uh, A's and B's and C's and D's. And In A's and B's, you're vulnerable and open to your authentic expression, and in C's and D's, you're not. You don't risk that level of vulnerability with people that you don't know will respect that and honor that. And Take care of that. Um, so we need to be attentive to this. Some people reserve their anger for the people that are close to them. <laughs> this is a bad strategy. <laughs> That's the only time you feel safe to be authentic and, and you accumulate that anger. Metta is also uh, the antidote to anger. And so we practice metta in particular, do a lot of uh, practice for the people that are closest to you so that you really infuse in the working model of them a lot of kindness so that when you think of them, the mind just naturally unfolds to a kind place. In B relationships, you don't necessarily need to create the same two-person system that you do for for an A relationship. I'm trying to describe this in a way that you really have an understanding of how much resource an A relationship takes. Because what often happens to people who come from insecure attachment is they don't really understand how resource-intensive an A-relationship is and they don't put enough into it and so they don't work very well. And then there's this uh, constant um, puzzlement as to why the A-relationship isn't working well enough. Um, And it's it's likely because there isn't sufficient resources being put in and there isn't uh, sufficient protectiveness for for that uh, environment. You really want to create this. Uh, Stan Tatkin, who, uh, whose work it is, I mostly rely on for this. is He calls it a couple bubble. That there's this protective force that you, the two of you, create for each other, around each other, and everything else is outside of that, right? It becomes the primary connection for you. Um, and you have to manage thirds in that. You have to manage things that would interfere with that. That could be other people, or it could be work, or even your exploration needs to be managed in, in that regard, so that, that the other person feels safe, right? That both of you feel safe in that connection you do have to be willing to be separate and you do have to be willing to encourage the other person to explore because there's this vital dance between attachment and then the freedom to explore and then coming back and reattaching reconnecting, re-regulating sharing that experience of exploration with the other person How does that sound? Everybody want to run out and, if you don't already have one, find an A? (laughs) (laughs) Or do you want to just have a big group of Bs? Four or five Bs. Any statements? (laughs) Having an A? The whole ball of wax. <laughs> uh, it just, it just, it's burnout. Oh. Sorry. Nope. That's where I am today. No problem. I get it, but. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, that's jo- not a fair. Mary and Joseph. <laughs> As Shin Zin would say, well, what else are you going to do? <laughs> Suffer? <laughs> between the exploration and the maintaining of them. Right. It's, it is a lot. I know it's a lot. The, um, they, they are very synergistic. If you put the time and energy into maintaining the relationships, not only... so. <clears throat> maybe another term is settling the relationships openly and vulnerably expressing what your needs are and negotiating with your partner in such a way that you're committed to meeting each other's needs and, and, and you do it well enough that uh, you both agree to do that and you're, and, and you're actually both able to do that. Sometimes uh, uh, if you're afraid of being abandoned you'll gr- agree to any terms not to be abandoned even if it means that you've agreed to terms that you can't possibly keep. And then when you can't keep them, the situation stirs up again, right? That's not what I'm talking about, although that's a very typical way of doing it. You want to really be clear and honest and uh, come to terms where both parties feel that they're winning in a way that each of you are willing to maintain it so that issue settles and you don't have to use any energy to negotiate it anymore or to fix it later and that that ex, that energy that doesn't get consumed by having to repair the relationship over and over again is then free to use to explore what has meaning and in in that authentic exchange if some if the terms aren't what you want then you can't agree to them and the and your partner has to be willing to keep negotiating with you until you each feel that you're, you've come to a place where it's, it's something that you're willing to do over the long term. And that not to um, um, use as a source of dissatisfaction the length of time or the depth of the discussion in order to get to that place where you both feel settled because the idea is to negotiate the terms of your uh, care for each other in such a way that it does finally settle and you don't have to attend to it besides the obligation that you've made for yourself in the relationship. Then, as, as the relationship progresses and you settle more and more of these things, the relationships hum along and and are very supportive and reliable for you, and that frees up a, a greater bandwidth for you to then be able to explore what's meaningful, and that that's really how these these long lasting relationships tend to work well. Um, <clears throat> it's it's. Fairly easy to let a b become a C because you just stop telling them everything you don't need them to agree to it it's really how you hold the relationship um, and you need to feel safe in the relationship in order to to make them a b uh, so when you meet somebody. Uh, Particularly adults, uh, where everybody's already probably over obligated anyway, and f- finding a way of changing your calendar, and them changing their calendar so that you can see each other frequently enough, takes time anyway. Is that making sense? Um, boundaries are yours, not not. You cannot make an agreement with somebody for them to help you keep your boundary. You cannot say, here's my boundary, keep it for me. You have to keep your own.